Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This episode, we talked about very specifically how to apply loving what is and the four questions by Byron Katie into depression and how it's not about trying to find actionable things and making decisions, but it's more about just doing. Yeah, creating space for things to happen. Yeah. Because we're so busy with our thoughts about what we should be doing, what we could be doing, versus just creating space for us to be doing and living. Our minds are overwhelmed with the shoulda, coulda, wouldas when the space should just allow us to do what we are doing. Yeah. Like we're living our best life, honestly. I think we're not living our best life when we're just like thinking about how we should be living our life differently. But that's a lot to unpack. And we do that in this episode. So enjoy listening. Welcome. Week 13. Sorry that we skipped a week last week, but I think we scheduled it, but didn't tell anyone else that was listening. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry, listeners. Yeah. Sorry, but not sorry. We needed a break. I went out skiing to Salt Lake with a couple of my Berkeley classmates. And honestly, coming back, I was like, I don't want to go back to work. (laughs) <laughs> I told Servia this morning, I was like, yesterday, I literally felt like, man, I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. But this morning, I did wake up with a refreshed feeling. I actually wanted to get up this morning. Like, I actually felt rested. That was the weird thing. I actually felt rested this morning. Oh. And I actually woke up before Miles did. The first time, I think, in God knows when. And I just got up before he, he woke up. What time does he usually get up? He usually gets up, like, between... S- 5.30 and 6.30. Dang. So you're up at 5 a.m. today? No, no, no. He woke up at 6.30 today. 6.45. I, I think I got up around like 6.20 today. Dang. Without an alarm. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, it's called a, a child. <laughs> the alarm that you cannot snooze. But yeah, I, I got up and I just felt ready to go. And I think part of it was I had just journaled last night a little bit and just acknowledge that I didn't want to go to work today. <laughs> and then once I wrote it down, I felt ready to go to work. <laughs> the mind's a weird thing. It is so weird. Yeah. So that was my previous week. Tell us about your week. My week has been... So we talked about a couple of weeks ago how you gave me this harsh truth of, hey, you're not living in reality, right? Mm-hmm. That was like episode 11, maybe like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And since then... My God, I have been a complete wreck because (laughs) just the realization that I'm been ignoring how I feel, it just got me super depressed and in a complete rut. And I couldn't even write like my last article I had to scrap because I couldn't even get into it. It was the first time that it took me 10 days to write something. And then I scratched the entire thing and I wrote something completely separate about how pretty much like miserable I was feeling and that I wasn't sure what the hell I was doing. And -hmm. I think coming back to reality, I just started questioning myself, like, what the hell am I doing? What am I doing all this for? But yeah, and I I realized that I was using anything as a band-aid to not be here. Yeah. Right. And so 
I think before a lot of people might use work or they might use like relationships or a big kind of change or decision in their life to really ignore what this underlying feeling of pain might be coming from, right? Like what depression is. And for me, it was, I was using writing as a way to express how I felt, but somehow it became a band-aid and I was ignoring what I was, how I was feeling. And I realized like, going back to loving what is, she has the website, the work, right? And I realized like, I'm not doing any of the work to actually want to change. I'm not doing any of the work to want to be any different and to get out of this depression. I'm just using a Band-Aid and covering it up. And so in the last week, and even in coming into this new year, I realized like I have to accept and like learn how to accept and be in the present of being depressed and finding out why it is, maybe not necessarily why, but more understanding why I feel like this. And like, I don't know, it all stems from this idea of like, reality and being in the present. I thought I was doing so much and improving a lot and making huge strides. And then all of a sudden, just within the last couple of weeks, everything felt, I was just like back to square one. And I was like, God Mm -hmm. damn it. Like, what the fuck? Why do you think that is? So, I mean, I I have to preface, I did finish the book finally this past week and I'm re-listening to it again. Like I haven't been able to stop talking about it with just about anybody who's willing to listen. (laughs) It became like a running joke in the house, in the ski house. My friends were like, it's loving what is, loving what is. (laughs) But I mean, from what I'm hearing, like, and tell me if I'm off about this, it sounds like what's causing this depression is that you don't feel like you're making enough progress or that you don't know what it is that you're doing. Basically, like you don't know what you're doing. Like you don't have direction. I have no direction. I'm questioning everything. Even with writing, it doesn't, yeah, like I publish something each week. We're doing this podcast and everything could feel like progress. But for some reason, let's try to do some work on that and that belief. It's a weird thing. I think it's like an underlying belief that I'm not willing to change. Maybe it's like, I know I have to, but I don't want to. I think I don't want to do the hard work of going through this. Like, Let's break this down. So you have this belief that you have to change. Is it true? Yeah, I guess I don't have to change. Right. Okay. That's different. I think that's different from you feeling or believing that you have to change, that there's something that you have to change right now. Because I'm pretty sure you can't know for certain, absolute certainty that you have to change. Okay. I see that. All right. I don't have to change. I guess I could stay miserable and depressed. <laughs> absolutely. You absolutely can. And that's the thing is that then this ties it into this belief that if you don't change, that you will stay miserable and depressed. Is that true? Yes. Can you know with 100% certainty that <laughs> if you don't change, that you will stay miserable and depressed? And this is what your ski friends had to put up with for a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Can you know for 100% certainty? That if you did not change today, that you will stay miserable and depressed. Can you know with absolute certainty? Who would I be? Let's just do the work. Just do the work. That's what she said. Just do the work. Just ask the questions. Just answer them. Who would you be? How would you treat yourself if you didn't have this belief that if you didn't change, that you would continue to be miserable? I guess if I knew that I wasn't, if I was going to, wait. How would you treat yourself if you didn't believe that? Don't overthink it. 
How would you feel if you didn't have this belief? I wouldn't try to change then. If you didn't change, you would continue to be miserable and depressed. Let me reframe that question a little bit. How would you feel if you didn't think change is what will make you happier? I guess I would feel a little lighter. The weight of trying to change or trying to feel not like this would, would lift. How would you feel? Would you feel better? Would you feel free? Yeah. Then what? Then magical things happen. <laughs> I think part of it is just this imposition on yourself that for you to be happy, for you to not be depressed, you need to change. And I think just that belief is causing you to be unhappy, to be depressed, that you aren't already amazing the way you are, that your writing, that the way we're doing this podcast isn't already fine, that you're not loving what is, which is <laughs> which is what's happening. It's that weird idea about how in order for me to have a different future, I have to change the way that I currently live. Do you? Well, because when I think about how my subconscious works, like our brains are a memory, right? We store past memories and emotions in our head and our minds use that to create like a predictable future to feel comfortable in a way, right? I think yes. I think prediction and speculation is helpful. It has its purpose. Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. what happens ends up happening after reading this book is that we tend to overdo it. Right. Then we make ourselves miserable that the future hasn't already happened, which is something that we discussed before. You're basically dissatisfied with your current state because you're not at a future state. Your writing isn't famous yet or isn't like hasn't blown up or your voice acting career isn't where you would like it to be versus what is it now, right? It's perfectly where it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, it is where it is. And so the thing that's helped me a little bit is this being in the now. The two books that I'm starting to read is Loving What Is and also The Power of Now. And I think those two books, the reason why I was like starting with those is because all about like coming to the present, right? Being in reality. It's really weird. Like this idea and the concept of being in the present, but how it's so difficult is a very strange thing, right? We only live in this moment. And if you break down the present to like a single second, the way I thought about it is that the power of now is that this single second is actually the only link in time where we control the past and the future at the same time. Because as time progresses, the current present turns into the past, but it also turns into the future at the same time. That's right. And so I think that's why it's important to be in this moment. It's the only moment that you can be in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's right. what Byron Katie would say. It is literally the only moment you can be in. You, you can't physically be in the past or the future. <laughs> right. You can't be anywhere else. You can't be anywhere else than you are already now. Like it sounds so simple. But until I started doing this work on every single little thing that bothered me throughout my day, what she calls suffering, right? Whenever you catch yourself suffering, it could be anything. I could be annoyed by somebody in my family. I could be annoyed by myself. When I ever catch myself suffering, I just ask myself these four questions. And I'll try to do some turnarounds if I need to. If I'm still stuck on the four questions, let's say the fourth question was, you know, who or what would you be without this thought that you need to change for you to stop being depressed. Like, who would you be? 
if you didn't have this thought. And seems like we're still stuck here, so let's do some turnarounds. A turnaround could be what? I don't need to change to stop you finish it off. Just say it. I don't need to change to stop being depressed. Is that equally as true as I need to change to stop being depressed? God damn it. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the same. <laughs> right? Because it's, then it's detaching the change from the depression. Because before you're linking this lack of change or change as what's causing the depression. What's the reality? The reality is we're ever changing. And at the same time, we're not changing. Like there are certain things that we're changing. There are certain things we're not. <laughs> but we're, you're buying into this idea that like, unless you change, what change what? <laughs> what? Change the way you like eat, change your diet, how you wake up. What do you need to change? There's like a million things you need to change and also like a million things you don't need to change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe I have been trying to change everything about my day to think differently and it hasn't been helping. <laughs> no, because again, I think you're trying to focus on like what could be versus just accepting just what's present. Like you are fine the way you are, James. You're doing great. Honestly, we are all doing great the way we are. There's a second question I wanted to ask you. The second thought that you had is that you're supposed to know what you're doing. Is it true that we're supposed to know what we're doing? No. Well, yes. Can you, okay, then can you know? With absolute certainty that we should know every day what we're doing, what we're supposed to be doing every single day. No, no. That's one thing I'd I'd had to, this is a question I asked myself. And even up until this morning, this book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things from Ben Horowitz, he was just like, the thing about CEOs, being a CEO is like, you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. How to lead, this is chapter seven of Hard Things About Hard Things. How to lead when you don't know where you are going. (laughs) And the key message is that you can't really know where you're going. You can only know where you are right now. And this is coming from like Ben Horowitz of Andreessen Horowitz, one of the most famous VC firms in the world. And so I think that's that's something that just like hit me like a brick this morning. It's like, hey, it's okay that I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. I think a big thing about knowing where you're going and having purpose or whatever is also a, it's also a decision. You may have to make a decision on where you want to head or what you want to do. Ooh, you haven't reached the chapter where Byron Katie talks about decisions. Oh man, no, I haven't. <laughs> what chapter is that? It's a little bit later in the book, but this was a chapter I had to like listen to twice because I didn't quite get it at first. And maybe my explanation will be piss poor, but it's this idea that decisions are already made for you. Like, did you decide just now and to breathe. There's so many things that like we think we're making these decisions, but maybe the decision's already been made. Okay. I have a lot to say and then think about that. I don't even know where to begin. So does she go into the idea that... Let me pull this up. We might violate some copyright laws. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> is she saying that the idea that your life is really not in your hands? If the decision is already made for you, does that mean that we have no choice in what we're going to do? That's what it sounded like. But let me just read this. Fuck copyright laws. So the, the belief is that I need to make a decision. This is chapter nine, part of chapter nine. I need to make a decision. When you become a lover of what is, there are no more decisions to make. In my life, she's by herself, I just wait and watch. I know that the decision will be made in its own time. So I let go of when, where, and how. I like to say I'm a woman with no future. When there are no decisions to make, there's no planned future. All my decisions are made for me. 
just as they're all made for you. When you mentally tell yourself the story that you have something to do with it, you're attaching to an underlying belief. For 43 years, I was always buying into my stories about the future, buying into my insanity. After I came back from the halfway house with a new understanding of reality, I would often return from a long trip to find the house full of dirty laundry, piles of email on my desk, the dog dish crusted, the bathroom's a mess, and the sink piled high with dishes. The first time it happened, I heard a voice that said, do the dishes. It was like coming upon the burning bush. And the voice from Bush said, do the dishes. It didn't sound very spiritual to me, but I just followed its directions. I would stand at the sink and just wash the next dish or sit with a pile of bills and pay the one on top, just one at a time. Nothing else was required. At the end of the day, everything would be done and I didn't need to understand who or what had done it. When a thought appears such as do the dishes and you don't follow it, notice how an internal war breaks out. It sounds like this. I'll do them later. I should have done them by now. My roommate should have done them. It's not my turn. It's not fair. People will think less of me if I don't do them now. The stress and weariness you feel are really mental combat fatigue. What I call doing the dishes is the practice of loving the task in front of you. Your inner voice guides you all day long to do simple things such as brush your teeth, drive to work, call your friend, or do the dishes. Even though it's just another story, it's a very short story. When you follow in the direction of the voice, that story ends. We're really alive when we live as simply as that. Open, waiting, trusting, and loving to do what appears in front of us now. What we need to do unfolds before us always. Doing the dishes, paying the bills, picking up the children's socks, brushing our teeth. We never receive more than we can handle. There's always just one thing to do. Whether you have $10 or $10 million, life never gets more difficult than that. What she's saying is that it's not that we don't make decisions. It's that we try to live in this life of decision-making <laughs> versus just doing what's at hand right now. I'm pretty sure you're not very depressed right now because we're just doing this podcast. You're not like, should I do this podcast? Should I not do this podcast? Should I say this? Should I share that? It's like, you're just doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think leading up to the podcast, I had all those thoughts. But now that I'm just doing it, I don't have any of those thoughts anymore. Yeah. So I think what she's trying to get at is you can either live in this life of decision paralysis, like I should do this, I should be doing that. And that's what actually gives me cold sweats at night or even before going to bed, like last night. I'm like, I should have done this. I should have done that. It's like, okay, what is reality? You didn't do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's it. Cool. When I ask myself these questions, I'm just like, did you do it? No, you didn't do it. All right, stop like stressing about it. Just write it down. And if tomorrow, like, the time comes to do something, just do it if you want to do it. Because this whole like living in like shoulda, coulda, woulda decision paralysis like doesn't actually get shit done, doesn't get anything done. Yeah. It's like sitting here saying like, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to change anything. <laughs> it's not changing anything. But we want to believe that just the mental exercise <laughs> will do something. And I think that's what this whole book is like, stop living in the metaverse, right? In your own head and live in like reality. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to do the work. And I think that's what made me really just crash pretty hard the last couple of weeks is just realizing that I've been ignoring the work, ignoring doing the actual thing again. And all this time I've been like circling around. It's like, oh, I'll read about it or I'll write about it. But it's like, no, just fucking do it. Yeah. And if you don't do it, it's okay. I'll tell you why. Because when you ask yourself these four questions, did you do it? 
No. Is it true that you had to do it? Maybe. Can you know for absolute certainty that you were supposed to do it? It's like, no. So maybe you were not supposed to do the work this past two weeks at all. You were just supposed to relax. What's the reality? The reality is you didn't do it. So that's the reality. Yeah. Again, there's no shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's just that you didn't do it. So it's totally okay. Like, that's the reality. Yeah, it's ignoring the those what-ifs, the should-haves. I should have done this. I could have done that. But it's ignoring those kinds of things and accepting that you didn't do it. I feel like that's hard. Like accepting that that's okay. Why is it hard? Because it feels wrong? Yeah. Because you feel lazy? Like what, what does it make you feel? Yeah, it's like it feels like laziness, procrastination, or a feeling of being behind, right? Yeah. And we can apply the work to those questions, right? Should you not feel lazy? Should you not procrastinate? I procrastinate all the time. I feel lazy all the time. I'm not trying to normalize it. I'm just saying like, it's this belief that we shouldn't be what we already were. And believing that guilt tripping ourselves will make us change. But what's the reality? Does guilt tripping yourself do anything other than just make you feel depressed and yeah. perpetuate that cycle? <laughs> like, it's like right? It makes you worse. Yeah, It just makes you worse. That is the whole thing about loving what is. Like, we're not loving what is. What is or was is that we didn't do these things. And so to currently beat ourselves up for what didn't happen in the past that we can't even change certainly doesn't pay for a better tomorrow or better today to start. I forget tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Today leads to tomorrow anyways. I don't mean to be condescending in any way, by the way. I just realized the simplicity of this book. Like I've, I was talking to my dad about this. Like we read books on like Buddhism or Taoism and read a bunch of philosophy books and whatnots. And a lot of times philosophy is very amazing, but sometimes it gets very abstract. This book just simplifies, in my opinion, all the philosophies <laughs> of like Stoicism, Taoism, Buddhism, all these things and more, Christianity, all these concepts. And it's something that's just very simple. Ask yourself these questions because what is this saying? By the Greek philosopher Epictetus, we are disturbed not by what happens to us, but by our thoughts about what happens. You're not disturbed that like you didn't I don't know, do this or that. You're just disturbed by the fact that you th think you should have done those things. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't. So accept it. I know it's easier to say, but that's where these four questions really help me accept things. Let's do some turnarounds that I should have been lazy and procrastinating. Can that be just as true as that you should not have been? Those are holidays. Nobody's doing anything. <laughs> I mean, my instinct was to say no. Maybe that, that's also what it is, is like a belief of what procrastination or laziness is, is that it's like a negative thing, but when it's really not. Yeah, maybe it is that. But that's where the second question really comes in handy for me. Can you know with absolute certainty that you should not have procrastinated, that you should not have been lazy? No, I guess you don't know that. You don't. That's weird. I think the hardest thing that I struggled with when I listened to the first half of the book was just like, well, how do I plan for the future? How do I affect change? Yeah. How do I do X, Y, Z? Like, how does anything improve? Because what it sounds like at the surface is you're being apathetic, but you're actually not being apathetic. You're being present, which allows you to actually do something. Like, there's been so many times this past week where, like, Mink's gotten upset about something or upset at me about something, or I've gotten upset at her about something. Mm -hmm. And like, just asking me these four questions just quickly gets me out of that antagonistic mindset. And then I'm actually able to 
shift the mood. It's almost like you're separating yourself from the thoughts and being able to think not tied to the exact feeling, but more. I'm not telling myself a story. Yeah, yeah. There's no narrative behind it. You're just asking questions. It takes the narrative out of like, that's what I love about these four questions. It just takes the narrative out of all these stories that I tell myself like, oh, like she is being so annoying. Like she's trying to ruin my day. Like she's trying to do this, trying to do that. It's like, I don't know. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't. I mean, it's out of my control anyways. I can't control her. (laughs) And I just get out of it. I just get out of that spiraling mindset. And I do some turnarounds. Again, if I'm really stuck, I do some turnarounds. Like she shouldn't be upset. Who the hell am I to say that? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's like the turnaround would be, I shouldn't be upset. Oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) It's just the power of reframing and adding perspectives. That's the one thing that's, I think, so hard. It's like when I'm down, I should be down. I'm feeling depressed right now. I should be depressed because I am. Versus like, I shouldn't be. No, I shouldn't be. Like, there's no way I'm getting out of that. That's what I'm thinking. I'm just like, hey, you know what? I should be depressed because I am depressed. That is literally like when I felt anxiety last night before going to bed because I was like, ah, it's Monday morning. Like, Servi wants to like do the Q1 planning and the month. I'm like, oh my God, I have no fucking clue what to plan. Like, I, I don't even know what I want to do tomorrow. You yeah. know? <laughs> there's just so much anxiety. And I literally was like, should you feel anxious? About this thought? Yes, I should. It's true. <laughs> it's, I feel anxious about it. I was like, all right, that was enough. Just like, <laughs> just that question alone was enough to snap me out of it. Be like, you should be anxious, Sean. If that's what you're thinking, that you have no fucking clue what you're doing tomorrow, you should be anxious. Yeah. It's totally okay to be anxious about that. But then like, I'm like thinking about something else now. I'm not thinking about like what's causing the anxiety. I'm just thinking like, oh, should I or should I be anxious? It's like, yes, anybody would be anxious in that situation. And then I'm able to think like, all right, well, I'll just write a couple of things down. Now I'm actually actionable. I'm actually able to do something. I don't feel like crippled by this feeling. I remove myself from the feeling. I think that's probably part of what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just like wrote down, all right, these were the two or three things that I keep on thinking about that I'm worrying about and forgetting to do. I'll just tell you guys what they are. There's like board paperwork. We need to send a text stars. I need to update the, the pitch deck. I need to update the financials. There's like a bunch of investor outreach I need to do. There's bookkeeping. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. beginning of the year, I need to actually wrap up our books and do the accounting and send out 1099 stuff. And I was just like, dude, it's just overwhelming Yeah, to think about. Of course, it's overwhelming to have to like remember all those things in my head. Like, holy fuck. Like, it's just overwhelming to even think about. But I just wrote it down. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to sleep. Tomorrow morning, maybe I will get up early and, and try to write more down. Then once we get on a call, like, I have my list of priorities. And funny enough, on the call, like he didn't ask. He wasn't even like, hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> but I already had it written down. So I volunteered. I was like, hey, these are things that it's on top of my plate. And this is how I'm thinking about prioritizing them. And, and boom, I was able to do something about it versus literally like weeks or months ago, I'd had the anxiety. I would live in the anxiety. I would be paralyzed by the anxiety. And I would come to this call still feeling anxious because I wasted all the time that I could have just been in the present to either enjoy time with Miles or like, I don't know, read a page or enjoy my my bathroom break. Just like not being anxious and then like having some time to, to be actional about something. I don't know. That's what I've experienced so far in the past week. So it seems like these questions in this book has made you have the ability to detach from your thoughts and feelings and almost like being like a like your own counselor in your head and giving you an idea of like 
separation to give you actionable things to do. Yeah. And again, the goal is never to be actionable. That's a funny thing. Just like how she's talking about decisions, like decisions just happen. It's like, I have an idea of what I want to do, but what I actually end up doing and deciding on doing just ends up happening because you just end up doing what's in front of you. Like this morning, I wake up, there's like really nothing else for me to do. The only thing that was in front of me was like, write down a bunch of things that I want to accomplish this week or this month or this quarter. So I just sat down and started doing it. I didn't make a decision to do it. I just did it because that was what was in front of me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. All right, we got to go back. What is this idea about not being actionable? I think the not being actionable and the not making decisions, they're somehow tied together, but I can't grasp that. What it is, is if you're like trying to clear things out so you can be actionable, then you're like creating this idea that like you can control, like you're trying to control your life. I think it's just like grappling with this idea that we can control so many things in our life versus just like, creating space for things to happen. Let me try to hmm. think if I can reframe that. I don't think that's what this book does for you. It it's allows me to create space for things to happen versus me saying like, I'm going to intentionally create space because then it's like, it feels like if you don't, <laughs> then, like, then you're like, oh shoot, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. This is weird. I, I really got to read this book now. And she just said, you do what's in front of you. Okay, let, let's say, for example, like, Let's go into this like voice acting thing, okay? Yeah. How does someone make a decision to start a new career path or a new activity or a new hobby? If you don't actually choose, <laughs> it just happens. It happens the moment you make it happen. What she's trying to get at is like, you think that because you had did all this planning, that's actually what made you decide to do it. But what she's saying is, what made you decide to do it was when you did it. And that's the reality with anything. If you don't do it, then it doesn't matter what kind of decision you make. Like, I can decide that I'm going to start learning jazz piano tomorrow, but until I fucking do it, that decision is completely pointless. You think you made a decision, but until you actually do something, you didn't do it. You didn't decide to do it. So you can't really decide to do things until you just do it. <laughs> and that's the reality. Got it. All right. How many things, James, have you tried to decide that you're going to do this year? And not do them. Yeah. And not do them. And then you beat yourself up like, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I decided to do this. I, no, you didn't decide to do shit. You decided to do something when you started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you decided to start voice acting when you're like, you know what? I'm going to record something and send this out today. That's the moment you decided. That's what it is. So can you decide? Well, you can have ideas. I think decision is like the wrong word. Okay. Wait. So if you decide not to do it anymore, right? if I decide not to write or if I decide not to do voice acting, then are those decisions or is it an act of just <laughs> not doing it? No, if you're not doing it, you're not doing it. It's just not doing if it. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. It doesn't matter what you decide. It shouldn't be like on top of my... <laughs> no, it literally doesn't matter what you decide. If you're not doing it, you're not doing it. Oh. I didn't decide not to stop DJing. I didn't decide to stop flying drums. I just stopped doing it. I want to believe that I decided to stop these things, but it's like, no, I just stopped doing it. That was a decision. Oh, okay, okay. And if tomorrow I start doing it again, then I decided to start doing it again. Oh, I see why she says like, it's not about creating actionable things. It's almost like when you write something down, it's still not a decision to be made until you actually act on it. So it's not really like a to-do list. You just kind of do it. And then once you do it, it's a decision that you did it. That's right. And then if you didn't do it, 
it's not that you decided not to, it's just you just didn't do it. Yeah. You never decided to do it. Maybe that's the better way to, to word it. <laughs> it's not that you decided not to do it. It's just that you just never decided to do it. Okay. So it's like really boiled down to this present moment because I'm trying to like grasp my head around this. It's very confusing to me. But the moment that you do something, it's the decision that you did. Whether or not you do something or not, uh, until that moment, it's not a decision that you didn't do it. It's just not present. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is confusing. <laughs> no, it totally is. It took me like two months to read this book and finally figure it out for myself. And James, like the hardest thing about this book and for any listeners to that point, the hardest thing isn't these four questions. These four questions are actually pretty simple. Like they're just written down. It's on paper. The hardest thing for me to learn, and maybe I missed this, but so I'm listening to it again, but I think they, they don't mention this, is creating the right statements to ask yourself these questions, right? Like what is that statement to put to the test with this question? Yeah, if you ask yourself the wrong thing, it could go down the wrong way. Right, like asking yourself the right statement. That, that's like the, the interesting thing is that in a lot of these interviews, she actually already pre-frames the statement for you. Like, should you not feel anxious and depressed? Is it true? Like that statement, coming up with that statement is something I've been slowly practicing over the past month and a half. Like I said, again, coming back to Mink or my parents or somebody, it's like, should this person not piss me off? Should this person not be questioning me in the morning? Or maybe that's not even the right statement. Should people not question each other in the morning? <laughs> right? Is it true? The statement would be, people should not question each other in the morning. Is that true? As you can see, it just took me like three iterations to come to the right statement to ask myself. Mm, yeah, yeah. So even the framing of the question is extremely... The statement, not the question. The statement that you want to question. Right, because then it frames your mind ahead of time. And that's such a weird thing too, is that you can come up with, and it takes you a few iterations to come up with the right statement. And even though you came up with it, your mind already believes it. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> I made this up, but this is the right question. Well, then you put it against the questions and then you try to do some turnarounds if you like still don't believe it. Let's try to frame this decision question around, like with a statement. Is it true that when you make a decision that you follow through on it, that you always follow through on it? No. So I think then a turnaround would be like, then the belief would be, you know, I make decisions that I don't follow through on. Is that true? Yes. How does that make you feel? Kind of shitty, actually. See, when a statement like that feels too shitty because it's too personal, then I, then I broaden it to be like, does everybody follow through on every decision they make? No. So then why am I supposed to follow through on every decision that I make? Then your next thought would be like, it feels irresponsible. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, but it's not. Then you ask the next question. Is everybody always responsible? No. No. So why do you have to hold yourself up to this crazy standard that you are supposed to be responsible for every single decision that you make and that you're supposed to follow through on every single decision? Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. I feel like we should be responsible for our decisions and our commitments. Are you though? Are people? They are not. But we should be. Oh, there's a should. Okay. There's a should. Is it true? that you should be responsible for your decisions? Is that a trick question? Because I think it's yes. People should be. Okay. That's perfectly fine to be a yes. That's what the second question is. Can you know for absolute certainty that you should be responsible for your decisions? Yeah. Shouldn't we be responsible for our decisions? 
Do you know with absolute certainty that you should be responsible for your decisions? Can you think of any scenario where you're not responsible for your decision? So you're saying in this case, like, ah, like I make a decision and it doesn't work out. Or what are some reasons why it wouldn't work out? Okay, like if we're like, hey, let's go skiing, but then the weather actually is super sunny and... Okay, should you be responsible for that? (laughs) Yeah, no, I guess not. You see, that's exactly where my head was going as I was asking this question for myself just now. I was like, there's so many externalities out there. Like, Hmm. how can I possibly be responsible for every decision I make? Like, shit could happen. Like, Michigan could lose and I could feel shitty. (laughs) I'm sorry, started jab at you, but (laughs) but when I watched that game, I was like, every time I watch a Michigan game, I just think of you now, James. (laughs) I can watch it. But anyways, I shamefully stopped watching the Michigan State game like halfway through. I don't know if you watched it, but I was like, dude, there's oh at the halftime mark. I was like, oh oh my god, we're gonna lose. I come back and watch the highlights. I was like, oh my gosh, I just missed an amazing game. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't watch it, but. I saw the highlights. I was like, oh my God, what a great game. And I thought, I was like, is this the one game that you you weren't going to watch? But seriously, coming back, it's like there's so many externalities. Like you can't possibly be responsible for every decision that you make. Yet you hold yourself to this insane standard that you need to be responsible for every decision you make. What's the reality, James? How many decisions do you make that you're responsible for that panned out well? I can give you one, like doing this podcast with me. (laughs) <laughs> decided to do it <laughs> it's like here we are yeah that's true and i guess like thinking of the idea that it wasn't actually a decision it was kind of we just started doing it it was a decision when we started doing it yeah yeah not before not after it was a decision when we actually did it and every time we just kind of do it huh it's like how many times have you decided to go to the bathroom but you didn't <laughs> <laughs> you're like something else came up you're like god damn it why didn't I go to the bathroom? It's like, no, something else came up. You decide to go to the bathroom when you sit on the toilet. Yeah. I decide to go to sleep when I lay down and close my eyes. Man, this idea about decisions and stuff really kind of throws a, a huge wrench into the way I think about myself <gasps> and like being determined. Because <laughs> we talk about like being like intentional, right? We want to be intentional in what we do. And I wonder how this wraps that all together. Language is very difficult sometimes. Let's get to the word, the root of intent, right? What is intent? Done on purpose, deliberate. What is the root meaning of intent? I love the definition of intent as intention or purpose. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Attentively occupied with. I like that definition. Resolved or determined to do something. Showing earnest and eager attention. Being intentional. I think the way I'm looking at this is just being present. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. And this ties it all back. What does loving what is allow you to do? It allows you to create space for the present. And then you can be intentional. You can decide to do things by doing something. Maybe that's how this all ties together. Mm. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. Maybe that's the other thing is that if we keep going towards figuring something out and hoping that there's like, an aha moment or like we got it all figured out, we'll never get there. No. One of the things she says in this book that I loved was around enlightenment. And I was joking with my buddy. I was like, maybe enlightenment's just like not chasing enlightenment. I think that's exactly what it is. I think being enlightened is realizing that there is nothing to be enlightened about. Like you just is. But it's so weird. Like Buddhists or monks, they like 
they spend their entire lives doing this and practicing this and they still... And then they realize there's nothing. There's nothing, yeah. To be enlightened about. And then they're enlightened. And it takes them years to get there. It's so weird. Yeah. Life is weird, man. It takes them years. I mean, we're, we're like in our late 30s. We've taken years to get here. She says in the book, enlightenment is just a spiritual concept. Just one more thing to seek in a future that never comes. A future that never comes. And then she also adds, who cares about enlightenment when you're happy right now? <laughs> yeah. Maybe actually that's what being enlightened is. I mean, that's what you're trying to reach, right? It's like some kind of state of bliss or peace. And that's, that's the thing. I think that's the beauty of this book. And she says this over and over again. It's like, you want peace, you can have it right now. It's not about being ignorant, though. I think for me, I spent a lot of my time ignoring a big part of me and trying to hide this feeling of like depression or being sad or angry. And ignorance might be bliss in some way, but I think that by holding it in, it just boils up and it's still there. Yeah, you shouldn't hold it in. You should definitely inquire. Do inquiry on your like resentment, on your anger. And I think that's what I didn't want to do. And I think because it hurt so much to have to dig into it, that I thought that ignoring it would make it better. But what's the reality? That it hurts just as much, if not more. Yeah. And it's still there. I hate to say that it's like, in the reality is having to accept what is here right now. And what is here right now, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that you have to understand. I think a lot of people think that there's something wrong with feeling like this. Because I, I don't know, like, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like it's wrong. But yeah, I have to really question, like, is it really wrong? Like, no, it's not. Like being depressed, being sad, being angry, resentment, all these like negative feelings. For a long time, I really thought that it was like the wrong way to think, that it was like wrong, that I shouldn't be thinking like this, but I do. So it can't be wrong. Yeah. Because you're doing it. It's right for you. Yeah. I know that's so weird to say and think about. Maybe that's what it is. It's right for me. You might think it's wrong for other people or other people might think it's wrong for you, but I think what you're feeling is what you're supposed to be feeling because you're feeling it. So and you're not feeling anything else. So it's like me expecting other people to be happy when they're at a funeral. It doesn't matter what I expect, you know? Mm. Other people feel what they feel and they're feeling what they're feeling at that moment because they're feeling it and that's it. That's the reality. Me like keep on wishing they didn't feel that way or felt something else. That's my problem. You expecting yourself to feel a different way when you don't feel that way, that's what's causing you pain and suffering. Yeah. I don't think depression itself causes people pain and suffering as I'm talking through this now. I think it's that desire that you don't want to feel that, that you shouldn't. It's the idea of like not wanting to feel like it. Like, I don't want to feel sad. Like sometimes you feel sad, it's totally fine, right? When like somebody dies and you feel sad, it's like, I'm not like, if somebody died, I'm like, oh, stop feeling sad, Sean. <laughs> it's like, I feel sad and it's totally okay. Yeah. Right? Like when I'm like rock climbing, I feel anxious. I feel like nervous, fucking like 60 feet off the air. It's like, I can be like, oh, don't feel nervous. Like I fucking feel nervous, 60 feet off the air. I don't think there's anything wrong with your depression. I don't know why, why I started to think that it was such a bad thing. Because that's society. That's how society makes us feel. That's how people tell us. Most friends will tell us like, oh, I feel so bad for you. I feel depressed. It's like guilt and like 
shame that comes with it. It's like, why do you feel depressed? Why do you have the right to feel depressed? There are people starving out there. Why should you feel depressed? Because I do. Yeah, exactly. But some of these other things, because under this concept, there's a lot of things you have to unpack, like you were saying, between anger, resentment, disappointment. There's different root causes for these. And some of them, I think, are easier to unpack than others. Like, for example, your disappointment in yourself, like how we were talking about earlier, that you should know where you're going. Does anybody know where they're going? Like, no. We sure give off this impression on Instagram that everybody knows what the hell they're doing, but it's like, no, they don't. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. I don't know where I'm going to be six months from now. I have an idea. I have a plan. But am I really going to be there? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe with hindsight bias, I'm going to tell myself that it all worked out just the way I planned it. But in reality, like, I took a lot of twists and turns to get there. This reminds me of a Joseph Campbell quote. He said, we must let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the one that is waiting for us. Yeah, I like that. And as we've been talking about this, yeah, I'm trying to, not trying to, I am. I am understanding. I'm beginning to understand that what we have planned our life to be is what's really making life so hard is that sometimes it doesn't go as planned. Mm -hmm. I think it's living in the plan versus living in your life. Right. Again, I think that was what was confusing for me. Is like, should I not plan then? Like, should I not do any kind of vision planning or thinking or dreaming? Right? No. Like, what's the reality? You do those things. Like, you can't stop doing those things. You can't stop planning. You can't stop dreaming about the future. Very slight difference. Where you cross the line is you start living in that future. You start living in that plan. Versus living in the present. Because the plan and the, or the dream or the vision just looks so damn good. You're just like, I want to be there now. Versus like coming back to the present saying like, this is just a map. Let's say you do like a vision board of like all the places you want to travel to. And like you map it all out. You plan it all out. You can just stare at the board <laughs> and be like, oh, I wish I was there right now. Or you can actually start going on your adventure. I think what we end up crossing the line is we're like, we're just staring at the board like that looks so much better than where I am right now. And you just start living in that metaverse. I'm going to have to unpack a little bit how maybe this is for next week's episode about how the difference between planning and having a goal and having a vision and then living in the present. How do you do that simultaneously? Maybe it's about, like you said, it's not a decision about what we're going to do, but it just kind of unfolds in front of us, right? And so the way to get into the future is actually to have some ideas of what you have to do to get there and then just end up doing those ideas. I think you'll do them when you are ready to do them. That's the other thing. Let's say coming off this call today, if like you end up not doing anything for the next three hours, like being, well, that's what happened. That's totally okay. I'm not ready to do any of those things right now. Like literally that's, as I look back on my life, it's like there are periods of time where like, I just didn't feel like doing anything. I played video games for like three months straight. Whereas like anybody in that situation would have been like, oh my gosh, you're such a loser. Like you're not going to amount to anything. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was ready to do something, I did it. And I kept doing it. <laughs> like fucking Steve Jobs just went off the grid for a year. Just go on a spiritual retreat. But again, hindsight bias. We're just like, oh my gosh, that made so much sense. You must have been intentional about this and that. Like, like fuck no. You didn't know what the hell he was doing. But we tell these stories that people know what they're doing. We're supposed to always know what we're doing. Like maybe once in a while, but James, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Nobody's know what they're doing. Nobody knows. 
Nobody who's honest with themselves knows what they're doing. Let's just be real. But instead of like worrying about not knowing or trying to figure out to know, some people are just doing. They're just like, oh, I clearly have these thoughts. There's all these options. I think that's what the planning of the thoughts creates. It creates a lot of optionality. Now, what you actually decide to do next is what you do next, is what she's saying. You just do it. Yeah. Versus being paralyzed by like, oh my God, look at all these options. I'm not doing this one. 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 Just sitting this way. I'm not doing things. Versus just doing whatever it is that you want to do next. I do strongly believe that. We have a very strong guide internally to know what it is that we will decide to do because we will do it. And that's really what she says. You're going to decide on what to do, what's best for you. Not by sitting there thinking about what's best for you or thinking to the end of the world, but actually just by creating space for yourself so you can go do whatever it is that you need to do. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very interesting week for both of us. Thank you so much for sharing about your week, James, and your struggles. I really enjoy having these conversations with you because it's luminary for myself just to think about how to frame my struggles every single day with myself so that I can apply these four questions and get on with life. Yeah, I definitely appreciate how you helped me reframe a lot of the statements and make it kind of funny (laughs) in a way. That's what I like about it. Yeah, and I guess that's also what we have to do is a lot of times you just got to laugh. Mm-hmm. Life should be... Should be fun, lighthearted. Yeah, it should be fun. It should be a joke. A finishing thought on this for today is one thing that she says is that, and she prefaces this in the book, is that she's not laughing at the person. Like, I'm, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing at our thoughts. Like how absurd our thoughts are. Right. At the stories that we tell ourselves. We're actually laughing at that. That's what's so funny. That we have this belief that X should be Y or this should be that, but it's not. Yeah. And sometimes it's just absurd how your mind just creates things for you to think about and you believe it Yeah, until you can separate from it. That's right. All right. Until next week, have a great week, everyone. See you later, everyone.